Braves down to their last strike. 2-2 to Riley. A swing and a miss. He struck him out. Ball game over. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. You know, I was really mellow yesterday. This show started in 2018. It started in August of 2018. So I've seen the Brewers get bounced from the playoffs 18, 19, 20, 21, four times since the show has started. Did I just do that math right? Why doesn't that make sense in my head? We started in 18. I saw them bounced in 18, 19, 20, 21, I guess, four times. Seen the Packers bounce after the Niners game in 2019. The Buccaneers last year, and then the Niners again. We double-dipped with San Fran. And then with the Bucks. My first go-around with the Bucks on this show was seeing them bounced against the Raptors, then against the Heat in the bubble, and then last year winning the title, and now against the Celtics. So about four go-rounds for each team. I think of all of the shows that I've done the day following my team's elimination from the postseason, yesterday was the most mellow. I don't think there was any yelling. It was very calm. It was very composed. I mean, it was very relaxed. And maybe that's because the Bucks won a title last year in that. It's like... That's like a, what's the word I'm looking for? That's like an ice pack, right? You just, I'm sore, I'm beat up, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm upset from the Bucks being eliminated by the Celtics without Chris Middleton. But then I'm like, oh, you know what? They won the title last year. Give me that ice pack on my arm. Oh, it feels better. You know, it's like medicine. It's like therapy. It's health, really, healing. Yesterday, I think, was the calmest show I've ever done following a team of ours being eliminated from the playoffs, and I'm not counting the Badgers. When I got home last night, I think it hit me. I got upset. I got angry. I started tweeting to no one at all. I'm just firing off Celtics Bucks tweets that no one asked for. I just start sending them off into the internet. I was like, oh, game seven being in Boston, that didn't matter. That didn't matter. There were four road wins. Grant, no one asked. Why are you you tweeting that out into the world? So I think it caught up with me a little bit last night. I'm not going to yell today. I'm not going to be upset. I think our perspective on Bucks Celtics and Game 7 on Sunday has been pretty good. It's going to stick that way. I have a couple of things to say about the Bucks today, but we're not going to dwell on them. A lot to talk about the Brewers, a lot to talk about the Packers. So mostly we're going to focus on that today. I still don't think I'm going to yell about the Bucks. Maybe mention one or two things, and that's going to be about it. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're enjoying this beautiful day, and I hope your week is coming along nicely. It is Tuesday, and that means David Gasper will be here. He'll be here at 530 Last night's Brewer game, Freddie Peralta was great. Josh Hader was great. Devin Williams had a nice outing. All of those things were great. I walked away from that game feeling a little unfulfilled. And we'll talk about why in about 10 minutes. And I think that is going to be the biggest conversation piece between uh, Gasper and myself. David Gasper reviewing the Brew will join us at 530. I want to talk more about the Jair Alexander injury, or not injury, but extension, that's following this injury. He missed last year, uh, most of last year with an injury. So we'll talk about Jair at 4.30. I thought that topic was a little underserved yesterday, but then again, the Bucks had just gotten eliminated, so we were going to talk about that. So Jair's coming up in a half hour. David Gasper to talk Brewers and baseball and answer some of my questions in about an hour and a half. You can follow me, find me on Twitter, tweet at me during the show, at Wisco Grant. You can text and call the show if you'd like, 608-796-2558. I want to start very quickly with something about the Bucks and something about the conference finals which start tonight, and then lots of Brewers and Packers, I promise. Okay, I want a couple of things 
on the NBA really quickly, if you'll indulge me. Like I said, I didn't get mad about the Bucks on Sunday or yesterday. I was bummed out, which is fair. Chris Middleton didn't play. That makes me sad. I really like Chris Middleton. Sometimes I feel like I'm in the minority there, which I still don't understand, but that's not what we're talking about. I was just bummed out, right? Last night, I made my move to clear the last hurdle of uh, getting over a Bucks celtics loss, uh, and that would be listening to the Bill Simmons podcast. <laughs> Bill Simmons, probably my favorite NBA person or one of my favorite NBA people, but he's a Celtics fan, and as objective as he is a lot of the time, sometimes I'm like, dude, this is just, this is too much. So when the Bucks lose to the Celtics, really there are, there are five stages of grief. It's typical like any other type of grief. You have your denial, anger, bargaining, depression. And then stage five is not acceptance in this case. It is instead being able to listen to start to finish the latest installment of the Bill Simmons podcast. And this one was with Ryan Rosillo, who's also a Celtics fan, which made it extra toxic. Although Rosillo was being especially docile because his boy, Chris Paul, just got ass blasted out of the postseason, which is really funny. Shouldn't have made me feel any better about the Bucks, but it did. Sometimes it's just more fun to watch another team get eliminated. Sometimes it's more fun than watching your own team win. Watching another team lose brings me a lot of joy. Uh, and I hope uh, I, I still get some joy out of watching some of these teams get eliminated. I listened to the Bill Simmons pod last night. I thought some takes were good. I thought some were unabashedly horrid. I even listened to it on a run. I was hoping the physical pain I was feeling would detract from the emotional pain. That was not the case. I'm not going to summarize everything I heard on the pod. I'm not going to summarize pro Celtics arguments. I'm not, not going to list them out. It can be distilled down to this. And this is what bothers me. It bothers me that both of these things are believed to be true. And I don't think they should be believed to be true. In fact, I, I, I know they shouldn't be believed to be true. Both of these things are accepted and preached and have been at least since Sunday evening. One, if Chris Middleton plays... The Bucks win that series, probably without much drama in five or six games. I don't even think it goes to seven. And we talked to Chris Porter, our guy who calls in about the Celtics yesterday. He agreed. Both Ryan Rosillo and Bill Simmons were like, well, yeah, it's a different series with Middleton. I referenced a Kevin O'Connell piece or Kevin O'Connor, KOC, O'Connor. Yeah, Kevin O'Connell is the Vikings guy, I believe. And then there's a politician with the last name O'Connor, right? It's not important. The basketball KOC Said, well, yeah, if Middleton plays, this series is different. Everyone accepts that if Middleton plays, the Bucks win the series. And I understand that that's how sports work, and I accept that as well. But then on the other hand, so many people also believe this to be true. The Celtics, now advancing through the Bucks, have ascended into heaven, and they now seat at the right hand of the Father, and they intercede for us, and they are this new team, and Jason Tatum is the new guy. Can we wait to crown the Celtics? Just uh, for a few days? I realize we crowned Giannis last year, but that was after he led his team to the title. There are a lot of interesting parallels between this year's Celtics and last year's Bucks. right? They get to the second round. They face another excellent team. We all agree the Eastern Conference Finals both last year and this year to be in the second round. And one of the teams, both seasons were dealing with a massive injury, right? The Bucks took advantage of it last year. The Celtics took advantage of it this year. But the thing about the Bucks, we waited to crown Giannis and we waited to crown the Bucks. Until after they won the title. Can we just wait to see if Jason Tatum can knock off Jimmy Butler <laughs> before we anoint him? That's all I'm asking. I believe that to be more than fair. So, yes, if Chris Middleton plays, the Bucks win the series. We then can't also turn around and crown the Celtics as the end-all, be-all that have ascended to this higher plane of being. Let's see how they fare against the Heat. And they're going to beat the Heat because the Heat aren't that good. But can we just wait, please? 
Thank you. One more NBA thing before we move on. We have our final four. Celtics Heat, that starts tonight. Mavericks Warriors tomorrow. Is there a slam dunk leader in the clubhouse for who's going to win the title? If I ask you right now, five seconds, who's winning the title? Go. Do you have a slam dunk answer? I I don't know. I, I don't. I certainly don't. I think the Celtics are going to beat the Heat. But I don't know how the Celtics would fare against the Mavs or the Warriors. And I don't know which Western Conference team is going to win the conference finals. If it's Steph Curry or Luka Doncic. I don't know. I don't think there's a slam dunk leader. Now, I'm not a betting man. But the title odds have me feeling a little frisky. This is what it looks like. Okay? Golden State Warriors are plus 130. Boston's plus 210. Miami's plus 430. Dallas is plus 650. Again, I'm not a betting man, but I have a couple friends that live in betting space. I almost want to Venmo one of my buddies 50 bucks and have him throw it on the Mavs for me. Because I don't think the Mavs, uh, there, there, there shouldn't be that big of a discrepancy in the odds. 650 compared to the Warriors who were plus 130. Uh, maybe I just look at the Western Conference Finals differently than other people. Maybe I don't trust the Warriors as much as other people do. I certainly don't trust them like we trusted them between 2014 and 2018. Certainly not the, the latter couple of years when Kevin Durant was there. What if Dallas does to Steph and the Warriors defensively what they did to Phoenix? I was reading an awesome piece in 538 today, and I will only share the parts with you that are most important. In games three through seven, Phoenix mustered 104 points per 100 possessions. That would have been 28th. Their offense was top five this year. So Phoenix went to a top five offense in the regular season to almost last with the numbers they were putting up against Luka Doncic and Jason Kidd's defense. Dallas did this by obliterating Chris Paul in the pick and roll. They ran at him over and over and over again. And this is the crazy stat that I want to read verbatim to you. Paul has now played 702 combined regular season games and playoff games during the player tracking era. This stretches back to the 2013-2014 season. In terms of the number of times Chris Paul's man was used as the screener in the pick and roll action, games three, four, five, six, and seven of this series rank third, fifth, second, fourth, and first among those 702 games. Meaning of the 700 games we have player tracking for pick and roll action, basically Chris Paul has never been hit as hard as he was in any of these games, and they did it in succession. Games three, four, five, six, seven. They wore him down, and they turned Phoenix from this well-oiled juggernaut into a puddle of mud. It looked like somebody's pet died when they walked down into the court in game seven. What if Dallas does that to Steph Curry, right? Golden State has been hiding Steph for years on defense, and they do a really good job. And I actually think Steph has gotten better on defense. He moves. He's, he seems bulkier than he used to be. Maybe that's just the way I see it. Maybe that's the jerseys. I don't know. But if the Mavericks can do even a little of what they did against C3P at Steph, that's interesting. Clay is not what he was years ago. Draymond literally doesn't shoot. It's not that he doesn't shoot threes. He doesn't shoot. So if you don't cover Draymond... You put Steph through the meat grinder. You have a little bit more attention coming off Draymond to Clay and Poole. I'm just saying, there's a path I see for Dallas to make this series interesting, and the odds are saying that it shouldn't be interesting. If Dallas can get past Golden State and they get into the finals against either Miami or Boston, they now have the best player in the finals. I think Luke is better than Jason Tatum, and I know he's better than whatever candidate Miami sets forward. I'm not picking the Mavs to win at all, but give me plus 650. I'm really interested. And I never sports bet, but I might dabble. Just put 50 bucks down, see how it goes, because I think it's a worthwhile chance to take, and I'll have something to cheer for, because 
really, I detest both of these teams in the East, and I don't really care about these teams in the West. So maybe that little bit of scratch. I just think it's good value. Look into it. Just check out the odds. I think Dallas at 650 is interesting. That's all I'm saying. I'm not picking them to win anything. It's interesting. Okay, rambled long enough. Let's talk about the Brewers. They won last night 1-0 over the Braves. And even though this game was obviously really close, but when you're in a 0-0 game or a 1-0 game, the way that baseball works is one pitch, one solo shot, the game's tied, right? The game in scale has shrunk so small to where every pitch matters because you don't have a cushion, right? And still, even as close as this game was, it was nothing compared to what we watched for two weeks with the Bucks and the Celtics, right? A little bit of a different viewing experience. Quite relaxing, my blood pressure and mental health. Much prefer May baseball to playoff hoops, especially the physical kind of all over the place brand of playoff hoops that the Bucks and the Celtics were playing. Freddie was great last night. Josh Hader is, I mean, what do you want me to say? It's unbelievable how we're just used to him. We're just used to Josh Hader being a, a guaranteed save. And I kind of knock on wood as I say that because I know he's got this scoreless streak that he's riding or, or whatever it is. I don't know if he's at 40 innings now or, or what it is. Right, Josh Hader's unbelievable. And we're just used to him. I saw Todd uh, Hodricourt or Tom Hodricourt. There's Todd Rosiak who's on the Brewers beat and Tom Hodricourt that's retired from the Journal Sentinel and we had his protege, Kurt Hogan. We should get Kurt back on. It's been a while. I feel like I've waited the amount of time where if I ask him now again, he won't be annoyed. So that's probably a good sign. Maybe we'll try to get Kurt this week. He's a really nice guy. But I saw the former Journal Sentinel beat writer, Tom Hodricourt, tweet last night. The day that the Brewers trade Josh Hader is the day they tire of winning because he's just, He's nuts. And the style that the Brewers play, defense and run prevention, when you have that closer on the back end, you can win games one nothing, 2-1, to 3-2, to two, and they play a lot of close one-run games. And having a closer that can nail that down, it's just so valuable. So, yeah, Freddie Peralta was great. Josh Hader is unbelievable and remains unbelievable. The only run scored last night was scored on a wild pitch. And it was after a double from Hunter Renfro, who was moved over via a sacrifice grounder fielder's choice type of thing. So that's nice small ball and good on Hunter Renfro for getting a double and good for the Brewers for moving him over and taking advantage of a wild pitch. Sometimes that's what you need. There were seven combined hits from both teams, two from Atlanta, five for the Brewers. I tweeted this last night, and this is what I want to talk about for the next 15 minutes or so when we come back from break before we get into the Packers. I tweeted this after the game last night. I talked about this when I joined Ebo and, and Rowdy this morning on the morning show. I tweeted, I can't decide if that Brewers win was electric or a horrible example of what baseball is slowly becoming. Do you know what I mean? When that game ended, I thought, wow, that was great. Pitcher's duel. And then I thought more about it. I'm like, feels like we get three or four of those a week. Is that too many? I don't know if it's about pitchers and how great pitchers are. I just think the offense kind of sucks. I don't know if these games are pitchers' duels. I just think the offense is really, really incompetent. Right? And, and maybe this is the wrong time to bring it up. Today should be a celebration of Freddie Peralta. He really looks to be great, even though Brandon Woodruff's struggling a little bit and, and, and the pitching hasn't been as amazing as maybe we hoped out of the gun. Freddie Peralta looks great. Right, he's locating his fastball, but he's throwing his breaking ball for strikes as well. And last night was his night. I don't want to take away from him. Josh Hader remains amazing. I'm not going to take away anything from him. I couldn't if I tried. Devin Williams had a very good outing last night. I thought it took some stones from Craig Council to say one-run game that could end like this. 
Like, we give up two hits and this game is over. We're trailing. He went to get Williams anyway, and Williams rewarded him. I thought that was great. I don't mean to detract from what the Brewers did last night because winning a game like that is really, really tough. you got to be locked in and error-free for nine straight innings when the game is tied or one run because there's no breathing room. But I also, at the end of the game last night, thought, it feels like we have too many of these games, right? I understand the idea of a pitcher's duel, but pitcher's duels aren't supposed to happen every other night, and they're not supposed to happen with pitchers I've never heard of, and we've all heard of Freddie Peralta, obviously. But it's not like Clayton Kershaw versus Kyle Scherzer. That's a pitcher's duel. When I see two no-name pitchers almost trade no-hitters on Tuesday night at Great American Ballpark with a bunch of players I've never heard of, no one's in the stands, I'm thinking, ah, I don't actually like how the sport is moving. So I don't mean to take away from the Brewers, but I want to talk about kind of the brand of baseball. We're seeing more and more of it. Let's talk about that coming up next. I have some old box scores to go over. Some pitchers duels that I remember from my childhood, and I thought we could compare them to what we're seeing these days. Some really interesting numbers and some names. It's just fun to reminisce with old baseball players, especially old Brewers. Let's take a break. We're back in three minutes here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Going to talk about Jair Alexander and the Packers in about 10, 15 minutes, somewhere in there. We're going to talk about finance and salary cap spending and positional value and all those fun things and how I think money spent on a star corner is just about as good a money spent as you can have in football. Maybe other outs, maybe outside of a quarterback, maybe quarterback would be better, but spending money on a star corner is money well spent. That's a good investment. Text and call if you'd like 608-796-2558. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Uh, you can DM me, block me, I mean, whatever, but that's my Twitter handle. Do what you will with it. Right now, we're talking about the Brewers and how last night's game was great. Freddy Peralta was great. Josh Hader was great. Devin Williams, love that. Council went to him in a big spot. Devin Williams rewarded him. There's few things in sports that satisfying is when the manager goes to get a guy and that guy makes the manager look good. It's good stuff. I don't want to detract from Freddie Peralta or Josh Hader, although I literally don't know if I could detract from Josh Hader. Like, I don't know if there is a way that I could come on the radio today and be like, you know, I know Josh Hader has a lot of saves, but here's the thing about Josh Hader. Like, no, there's no way to do it. So I can't detract from Josh Hader. I don't think I can detract from Freddie Peralta today either, which is why I'm comfortable bringing this up without sounding like a total jerk. I don't love watching games like last night, at least not as often as we're watching them. Right? And I tweeted about it last night, and I had people in my mentions say, hey, it's a pitcher's duel. Hey, a pitcher, pitcher's duel. Love a good pitcher's duel. What are you, you, you want 100 runs every night? No, no, no. I, I love a pitcher's duel. I also love ice cream. <laughs> Doesn't mean I want to have it three times a day, right? Pitcher's duels are supposed to be sacred. Pitcher's duels are the game you look ahead on the schedule, and you see, oh, boy. We got Clayton Kershaw versus Corbin Burns. My God, strap in. That's going to be a pitcher's duel. And it's something you could see on the horizon. It's coming because the schedule lined up in a way. The rotation for two teams lined up in a way. That rain day that got a game canceled. Everything lined up. So two studs are matching up with each other. Two aces. You go, ooh, we're in for a good one today. It's not supposed to just happen three times a week. 
right? Let's not just throw the term pitcher's duel around all wild and loose, all right? If the Reds and the Pirates play as they played on Sunday, and the Reds pitched a combined no-hitter and lost, which is just abjectly hilarious, they lost one nothing. that wasn't a pitcher's duel. It was Hunter Green, who the Brewers used as a pitching machine a couple of weeks ago, versus Jose Quintana, who's so good he's been on five teams in two years. That's not a pitcher's duel. Those are two offenses that don't have a clue. That's not a pitcher's duel. I don't want you to just slap the label of a pitcher's duel on any game where the offense is suppressed. Right? There's a difference between a pitcher's duel and really bad offense. They're not the same. Uh, think of it, think of it, think of it this way, right? You have a buddy. You have a friend. Let's call him Mike, right? We all have one of these guys in our in our friend group. Mike doesn't like to spend money, okay? We all have a friend like this. Keeps his house at 59 degrees. Never offers to drive anywhere, right? Because he doesn't want to pay for gas. Even if it's two miles down the road, Mike's never going to volunteer to drive ever. Never gets around at the bar. Mike is the guy when you go to the bar and there's six of you and you're having a weekend in Madison and you went to a game and the bar's really busy. So instead of all getting to individual drinks, one guy will go up, get six drinks and it's 40 bucks. But then that guy has gotten his drink. So next time Steve goes up and then... And then Alan, Al, you go get the drinks, right? And then Mary, Mary's going to go get the drinks. And then it comes to be Mike's turn. And what does Mike say? He says, I'm pretty drunk. No, I, maybe we should think about, you know, heading out. I'm going to grab a water. No, 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 Mike. It's your turn to get the drinks. But that's the way Mike is, right? We all have a friend like this. Just psycho about money, right? Never wants to spend money. When Mike's name comes up in the friend group, when Mike isn't there, you know what we don't say about Mike? We don't say, Mike, you know, give him credit. He's really good at budgeting. Mike, he's putting money away. That guy's got it figured out. No, we say Mike is cheap as hell, and it's really weird, and it always becomes an issue. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Mike keeps his house. He's the guy who keeps his house at 59 degrees. We all know someone like that. Just weird. Roll pennies for gas weird when he has to, right? That guy, our friend Mike isn't good at budgeting. He's just really, really cheap. And he's obsessed about money, and he makes it everybody else's problem. And those people suck, right? It's the same thing with a pitcher's duel. When Hunter Green and Jose Quintana go at it on a Sunday afternoon, and the Reds throw a no-hitter and lose, that's not a pitcher's duel. That's two really bad pitchers against two really bad offenses in a really horrendous, horrible game of baseball. And not to rain on the parade here, after a great night from Freddie Peralta and Josh Hader and, and Devin Williams again, But it seems like we're having these crummy baseball games more often. And I know this is nothing new because people like Seth Everett have been bringing this up for literally 10 years. Baseball sucks. Baseball sucks. No, baseball doesn't suck. That's not what I'm saying. I love baseball. But after last night, I'm just like, man, that kind of was crummy. Kind of sucked. Look at these Brewers batting averages. Scrolling down the the list last night. Colton Wong's leadoff hitter. He's in 248. Yelich is in 244. Telez is in 240. Hunter Renfro, 232, although he got off to a slow start. little context there. Narvaez, geez, Narvaez might as well be hitting 375 in 2010 terms because he's hitting 253. Tyrone Taylor, who actually we all like. We would like Tyrone Taylor at the plate in a big spot. He's hitting 211. Lorenzo Cain, who's supposed to be an old-school baseball player, is hitting 188. And I know batting average isn't the thing anymore. It might not even be one of the biggest things, but it is a thing. It's like, man... No balls are ever getting put in play, and it's boring. And last night, Freddie Peralta had it cooking, and that was fun to watch, especially because it's my team. 
But on a night where I got to watch Hunter Green and Jose Quintana or some guy I've never heard of and still no one can hit him, that's not a pitcher's duel. That's just bad offense. I went back to an actual pitcher's duel, back when men were men and back when baseball was baseball and we had a proper country. Who remembers Memorial Day 2009? I was there. I remember we had a TV in the kitchen. Remember when you had TVs in the kitchen? Everyone did. Maybe it was a Midwestern thing. I, don't, I feel like people don't anymore. We had a TV in the corner of the kitchen, and we would lean next to the sink. And we would, it, They were always very small, and you would lean in. And now we, just, we learned that we could put our TV in the living room and watch it from the kitchen. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why we didn't realize that 10 or 15 years ago. But I remember 2009, standing in my kitchen. My parents were gone. They were off doing something. And I was watching Brewers Cardinals. Giovanni Gallardo, Chris Carpenter, just an unreal back-and-forth pitcher's duel of a game between two aces, not between two nobodies. These guys were good. These guys led their rotations on really good teams. And then Bill Hall gets the go-ahead RBI, I believe, in the top of the 10th inning. It was a great game. But if I go back and I look at the box score of these teams from 2009, look at these batting averages. Craig Council, 311. Casey McGee, 265. Ryan Braun, 325. Prince Fielder, 265. Mike Cameron, is it in 285? Matt Gamble, who I still haven't given up on. Mike, we're right around on Matt Gamble. <laughs> like we couldn't quit Matt Gamble for five or six years. He's hitting 211, of course. Corey Hart got off to a slow start that year, hitting 242. Giovanni Gallardo, the pitcher, was hitting 190. Giovanni Gallardo on May 9th in 2009 was hitting 190. Lorenzo Cain is hitting 188. And it's May 17th. My God. How much the game has changed in 10 years. And in ways it's changed for the better, too. For example, starters now throw 98 instead of 92. 92 used to be blistering for a starter. Now it's really, really slow. Now you're better than Brent Suter, and that's about it. This is not just dump on baseball time. That's not what I'm saying. I'm explaining to you an observation that I had after last night's game. As much as I loved watching Freddie, as much as I love Josh Hader and Devin Williams... It seems like in three or four days, I'm going to be watching a baseball game with pitchers I've never heard of who aren't supposed to be any good, and yet still really good offensive players won't be able to touch them. That's not a pitcher's duel. That's bad baseball, and I think we need to start recognizing the difference. Let's take a break. I want to talk about Jair Alexander, the Packers cap situation, coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. By the way, if that analogy of everyone's friend, we call him Mike, who never pays for anything, keeps his house at 59, 58 degrees to, spend, uh, to save money. If you feel attacked by that, you got to get it together because everyone's got a friend like that in their friend group. And it's not just once here and there like, oh, I forgot to Venmo you back for that one time we went to Taco Bell. That's not what I'm talking about. You have a friend that's just nuts with money. <laughs> and we don't say of that friend You know, he's just really good at budgeting. Really, really financially conscious. No, no one says that. He says, hey, that guy sucks, and I hate him because we're always paying for him. He never gets his round at the bar. He never offers to drive anywhere. Never's offered a pitch in for the tip. That guy stinks, right? We never say that that guy's good with money. Just like in baseball, we got to stop saying that a game is a pitcher's duel when really it's two trash pitchers with two trash offenses. It's just bad baseball. Right? We need a line of demarcation. What is a pitcher's duel and what is just bad baseball? 
right? And that's something that I was thinking about the Brewers winning one nothing last night. The only run in the game coming off a wild pitch, right? And Freddie was great. Hater was great. Williams is great. That might have been the best part of the game was how great Devin Williams was in a really tight spot against a good lineup. So I don't mean to detract anything from that. I'm just saying moving forward, don't try to tell me that Hunter Green versus Jose Quintana in a one nothing game with the Reds and the Pirates. Don't tell me that's a pitching duel. It's not. It's just bad baseball. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grant. You can text me, call me, 608-796-2558. I want to talk about the Packers. Jair got extended yesterday, which is great. That's awesome. It's excellent news, mostly because I, I thought maybe we were going down the Devontae Adams route with Jair, right? Played out to the end of the deal. They were like, well, are we going to franchise tag? Are we going to do this? And then at this point, Jair is pissed because they haven't actually negotiated in good faith and they haven't shown him respect. So now he just wants to go elsewhere and we end up trading him or losing him for nothing. I don't want that with Jair, but I thought maybe, maybe got a little bit of a sense that that's where we were headed. So the fact that he's now under contract, even though it seems like a no brainer, that's great. That's awesome news. I didn't know what to say about it yesterday. We talked about it for all three minutes, right? What is there to say? He's really good. He's only 25. He plays a crucial position and the Packers paid him. All of that makes sense. All of that checks out. All of that sounds fine and well, right? That's a no-brainer. Well, I guess not for all people. Vikings fans are having a tough time with this one. Just from what I've seen on Twitter, it's a lot of people saying, oh, so you're going to pay all that money to a cornerback coming off of an injury? <laughs> okay, well, I, first of all, I don't care what you say because your team is trash. Uh, and I don't value your opinion, and you watch Kirk Cousins once a week. Don't tell me who and, and what and why about football. Please don't. But also, if we're talking about injury, go ahead and pay the bag to Daniil Hunter and Zedaria Smith, who are both walking back injuries. Go ahead. Yeah, Patrick Peterson, I'm sure he'll be healthy this year for the first time in, what, five, six years? Since the Trump administration, probably. So whatever to Vikings fans. I had a, I had a coworker pop in my office. He's a Vikings fan. He came in, oh, Grant, a lot of money, a lot of money for a guy who was injured last year. A lot of guys, a lot of money, a lot of money, big injury. There's a lot there. Can, can someone clarify this to me? Is Jair the only player to have ever gotten injured in the NFL? Is it not a physical sport where injuries take place? Am I missing something? Because if I am, please enlighten me. And yeah, it's a lot of money. He's really, really good. And he plays a really, really important position. And when he's been healthy, including the most recent year where he was healthy start to finish, he was the most valuable defender in football, according to PFF War, which is wins over replacement. Now, you could argue that he's second or third, whatever. It doesn't really matter. I'm just using that as one anchor point. He was one of, if not the best cornerback in football, and cornerback is one of the most important and impactful positions in all football. So pay the man. He's really good. Oh, he's hurt last year. Okay, I, I threw my back a couple of weeks ago. It doesn't mean that my bosses are like, eh, I don't know. Sure, we want Grant doing the show. He tweaked his neck a couple weeks ago. Are we worried about him, you know? It's a really important position. The cornerback position is really, really, really important. And that's what I want to mostly focus on. And yes, we will talk about Jair, but really I want to talk about the position of cornerback and how it's a great investment, right? Think of this contract, this Jair contract, in real-life terms, right? And how you budget your money, on a day-to-day basis or a paycheck-to-paycheck basis. We spend money on a lot of different things, right? It goes to all these different departments of the budget. By the way, we talked to, we talked a lot about money and budgeting the last few days. I don't know if you know this about me. I really want to be Dave Ramsey. I, lo- I love Dave Ramsey. I don't know what it is. 
I wasted 25 minutes this afternoon just watching Dave Ramsey YouTube videos. Something about his voice, something. I just want to be Dave Ramsey. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Your inside track to financial freedom starts here and it starts with you. This is the Dave Ramsey Show. Just keep in mind that we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. What I preach is not rocket science. It's simply common sense. Fact is, there's such a scarcity of common sense these days, I can sell it. It's financial peace. This is the Dave Ramsey. Right? I, I love Dave Ramsey. Such a stupid bit. Only half of the people probably at most listening just understood what I just did, but it's fine. Let's talk about budgeting, right? In your day-to-day life, things that you spend money on, some expenditures feel really painful, and they suck, and I hate spending money on certain things. And then there are expenditures that feel necessary, right? So you could spend $20 on one thing and feel okay about it, and then you could spend $20 on something else, and you're like, God, sucks. really wish I didn't have to do that. Let's think about this, right? Painful. Uh, Parking ticket. $15. That's not $15 you needed to spend. That's $15 that could be in your your pocket. But you forgot to move your car at the end of the two-hour limit. You parked on the wrong side, and it cost you 15 20 bucks. Or if you park on a UW campus, 25 because they're nuts. They're worse than the local police department. But that's parking ticket. That's a painful expenditure. Right, what about a necessary one? Um, ah, an on-time oil change and tire rotation. There is no more satisfying money that can be spent. When you walk out of the car dealership and the guy at the desk is like, hey, everything looks great. We'll see you back here in X number of months or X number of miles. Well done. And you're like, yeah, I didn't drag it out. I got in here on time. Yeah, it was 110 bucks or whatever. I don't know how much it is together. Depends on the place. That, that's, that's a necessary expenditure. I didn't want to spend the 100 bucks, but because I was on time and I'm taking care of something that's very valuable, my, my mode of, of transportation, how I get to and from work, how I cart the kiddos around, following the baby steps of budgeting, got to take care of the car. Right? What does Dave Ramsey say? You got to take care of the roof over your head, got to take care of the tires or whatever. I have one of his books. I'll bring it in tomorrow. Maybe that'll help this whole ordeal. Uh, a painful expenditure. 67 bucks or so for a tank of gas. That sucks. When gas could cost a lot less. Unnecessary. Something I love spending money on every year. NBA League Pass subscription. With NBA TV add-on. So I can watch NBA TV games as well. Right? The gas, that stinks. Uh, League Pass, I look forward to cashing that check every fall. Painful. Paper towel. Why does it cost so much? It shouldn't. It's paper. But it it weirdly costs a lot when you have to buy paper towel. Uh, Necessary purchase. Uh, Rent. Rent. It's not really optional, right? My point, to wrap this up, you could spend 20 bucks on one thing and you may feel way better or worse than 20 bucks spent on something else. And I think that's true in sports as well. Do you know that Randall Cobb and Devondre Campbell have an almost identical cap hit in 2022? They're almost the same. It's just a shade over four and change, something around there. Yet $4 million for Devondre Campbell in this Packers defense feels like a fun purchase. Feels worthwhile, feels necessary. Where Randall Cobb feels like a like a financial burden. <laughs> oh God, uh, we need to kill this bit right now. I'm totally listening to Dave Ramsey on my drive home after the show tonight, though. Four million for Devondre Campbell feels like a fun purchase. Randall Cobb, a little bit different, right? It's the same with Jair. 
He's the highest paid player at his position in the entire league, just above Denzel Ward and Jalen Ramsey and whoever. I don't even know. It'll change next week, so who cares, right? Spending money at that position, a position where it's hard to find good quality players, it's hard to draft and identify good quality players. You keep that guy in house, you pay that money. That's money well spent. That's like an oil change in a tire rotation on time. That's great. Now, spending a ton of money for a center, Maybe that feels a little bit more like uh, like buying something after you lost the first one that you bought. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you buy something and you love it and then you lose it, so you have to buy it again. That's the worst feeling. It's like, oh, here's another 20 bucks I'm lighting on fire that I didn't need to spend. That's like paying for a center. You can find centers in the draft. They're very replaceable. You don't need to pay top of the market value for centers, which is why the Packers let Corey Lindsley go, which I thought was a solid decision. Money spent on a star quarterback, that's money well spent. A star NBA player like Giannis, that's money well spent. Remember before Giannis signed his Supermax? I saw this more out of Milwaukee from certain radio stations. They're like, well, that's a lot of money to pay to Giannis. Yeah, I'd actually pay double what they're allowed to pay for Giannis. Because not only does he win you titles, he wins you MVPs, he makes everyone on your team better. He funds literally a a section of a city. That Deer District is there because of Giannis. I don't know exactly how much he's being paid. I don't remember the whole figures because I haven't thought about Giannis' contract in a while. Whatever it is, it's not enough. Spend more. Throw more money at that because it's worth it. That's money well spent. Starting stud pitcher. That's money well spent. Right? You can win a lot of games over the course of the year with that guy. A good closer, Josh Hader. The Brewers are actually paying, relative to the rest of their relievers, a pretty penny for Josh Hader. Now, it's not open market value, but it's still a pretty penny. That is money well spent. Now, you get down to the next year. Money spent on an aging center that's not very good. That's one of the worst investments you can make, and John Hammond made plenty of them. Whatever Plumley brother he signed, whatever John Henson contract was the latest one, you can just find replacement-level centers. JaVale McGee, right? Bismack Biombo for the Suns is actually pretty darn good this year. You can find replacement-level centers. Let's not pay out the butt for one that isn't really that much better than the rest of the field. That's why Brooke Lopez on the mid-level exception a couple of years ago was this unbelievable value because you were getting replacement-level center money and you were getting play that was way above that, right? Um, Money not well spent in sports. Eric Gagne, does that just count as an answer? Maybe don't even make it about positions. Maybe let's just make it about a player. The money that the Brewers spent on Eric Gagne was a horrendous investment. There's there's, no financial security in Eric Gagne, that's for sure. (laughs) That was money very, very poorly spent. Uh, Matt Garza, if we're just naming Brewers that were bad contracts, right? And I don't mean to pick out individual names because that's kind of cheating in this game. But there are certain positions, certain roles on your team that you want to pay a lot of money for. Quarterback, your star NBA player, especially a wing like Kawhi Leonard or Giannis. Players that can play both ways, that are switchable, that bring defensive versatility. Players that can do more than just their one role on the team. That's Giannis. That's most high-level superstars. Pay all the money for them. That's a good investment. They're worth it. Let's talk to David very quickly. 608-796-2558. What's up, David? Welcome. Very quick, Grant. You got some... It's an interesting subject. Mm-hmm. Supon. Remember the... <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. For Jeff Supon. Oh, God. I have his bobblehead, and, you know, that's the best thing about Jeff Supon is a bobblehead. 
Jeff Supon could walk into the studio right now and I would wonder who my new coworker is because I don't think I'd recognize him. But yeah, the name, we talk about Jeff Supon all the time. Soup, yeah. You gotta you gotta text in a picture of that bobblehead, David. I kinda wanna see it. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to learn how to text first. Oh, okay. Okay. You're not okay, the only so one, by the way. Say, really quickly, really quickly, David. Jeff Supon, Tim yeah. and Menominee just texted in Jeff Supon, so you're not the only one. <laughs> cool. So can I just yes say something really quickly about your show? Take all the time you need. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for, <clears throat> and that is that it has not become a gambling discussion show, oh. which so many of the shows have, and especially the ones who advertise gambling sites decide that everything's about gambling and gambling's just great Mm -hmm. it's just fabulous fun that's all it is Mm -hmm. and look you know uh i don't want to i don't want to be a uh, downer but please do uh gambling is an addiction gambling can easily easily become an addiction and that's dangerous for individuals that's dangerous for communities and, you know, I know that's now part of the culture. It's just there. Yeah. Not much you can do about it. But, frankly, I'm sick and tired of the sports shows. That's all they can talk about. Who, you know, what's the bet tonight that yeah. you should be making? And so I don't hear a lot of that on your show. In fact, I can't think of hearing much of it. I suspect <laughs> that's a conscious decision, and I hope that you won't have to take advertisers who are going to force you into it. Well, David, it's funny you bring this up because at the very beginning of the show, I actually did mention a betting number that intrigued me. I don't think I'm actually going to put money on it. The thing with gambling is it's not for everyone. It's not everyone's thing. Like, there's a lot of people, and I, I'm part of this group, that have always really loved watching sports, and I don't really need money on the line to feel engaged and to feel interested. I understand not everyone is like me, so if you like to gamble, go off. But I, I, I don't know. It feels like, and it's mostly through advertising, and, and certain, you know, talking heads that push gambling. The gambling's great, and it's for everyone, and everyone should do it. And like most things on Earth, that's just not the case. So I'm, I'm with you, David. I'm glad that we don't talk about gambling all the time on this show. That's a big thank you. <laughs> all right, David, is that all? Yeah, that's all I got for today. All right, we'll, we'll argue about Rogers some other time. Have a good night, friend. Take care, yeah, that's David. It's funny because David called on the one day. He must have not heard the beginning of the show. I like the Mavs to win the title at plus 650. <laughs> that's really funny that he called tonight. Um, I don't think I'm going to put money on it. Maybe. Maybe. But then again, like the betting markets can be really good indicators of, of, um, of which teams are going to be good because there's a lot of really sharp people that bet a lot of money. So if you look at how much money is coming in on this team or on this other team, you can use betting and the information that betting and bettors give you, you can use it in a lot of useful ways um, because Vegas is really good at this stuff, which is why they make so much money. Um, I I just, I don't know. Sports gambling really is my thing. There's enough things that I spend my money on that aren't sports gambling. And if Dave Ramsey were here, he'd say, hey, hey, sports gambling, that's fine, but make sure you make space for it in, in your budget. Baby step number three, don't gamble what thou does not have. I think we got to let this bit die. Uh, Chad in Sun Prairie. Chad, welcome to the program, the Dave Ramsey Show. What's going on? Good afternoon, Mr. Bill. How are you? A lot, <laughs> lot better than I deserve. What can I do for you? 
Uh, I would like to call in and uh, say that I, I'm against the holy roller here that's trying to act like it's the biggest addiction in the world. <laughs> don't, don't put words in his mouth. First of all, don't put words in David's mouth. He's not saying that everyone's going to get oh. addicted, but I, I get what you're saying. Oh, come on. Like, literally mainstream media, uh, common TV shows have been doing it since the 70s. Like Jimmy the Greek made what, it famous. Well, yeah, but that that's a little different. I know, I know what you mean. I, I think that a lot of people have the capability of gambling responsibly, and it's not like this thing is is poisoning our mind, but we, we got to be careful. I'm, I'm hearing where David's coming from on this. Uh, yeah, I, again, like watching sports can be considered an addiction if you're taking time away from your family or mm-hmm. other important things. Like, again, it's a big deal. Like, I, I think of it on the terms of vices, like sports gambling, unless you're gambling your house away, yeah, big deal. No, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, guys, that I, I, I missed the connotation, but I heard Jeff Supan, and he just kind of <laughs> fires me up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Matt Garza and Kyle Loesch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, <laughs> two other, the, the Brewers loved picking starting pitchers from other teams in the division. That's what made it even worse. Uh, actually, it was, and you know what's really funny is out of those the like people I have met all three of them in McGillicuddy's one time in Milwaukee. <laughs> nice place. Kyle Loesch was everything you would think Kyle Loesch would be. Matt Garza was the nicest guy in the world. Like, really? Oh, that's funny. Hey, Chad, I feel terrible. I got to take a break in the next thirty seconds, or we're gonna get the show all messed up. Uh, so call me back. Uh, right after five o'clock, if you want to talk more, Chad, I'm sorry I got to do this to you, but we have to take a three minute break, and I got to get it in before five o'clock. So, Wisco Sports Show, we'll keep talking about this. We're back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Braves down to their last strike. Two two to Riley. A swing and a miss. He struck him out. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I've realized today that just bringing up Jeff Supon really even for no reason at all, just gets the people going. Uh, so I'm going to tweet out a picture of Jeff Supon. Uh, there you go. Click, send. Uh, no caption, no nothing. Uh, and just see what the Twitter universe does with that. I'm intrigued. <laughs> no context, Jeff Supon. Can we make that account? God, Supon sucked when he was with the Brewers. Although, strictly based on vibes and good memories, I think he was a part of one of my favorite Brewer rotations ever, which was... Let's see, Giovanni Gallardo, Jeff Supan, Manny Parra, Randy Wolf, Dave Bush. Maybe I'm interchanging one guy who sh- who wasn't there at the time, but maybe should have been. I just think based on good memories and, and humor and vibes, maybe one of my favorite Brewers rotations ever. Certainly can't hold a candle to the starting pitchers they have now. Uh, but laughs and fun memories, uh, up there for sure. Supan, Jeff Supan. Uh, the more I say his name, the more interaction will come. 
And that is the goal for the next half hour until we talk to David Gasper <laughs> reviewing the brew. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Uh, we've been talking about the Brewers and the Bucks and the conference finals and sports gambling. And I've also been giving out financial advice under the guise of Dave Ramsey. Only through my words of wisdom and through the Lord Jesus will you come to know financial peace. Uh, Binks has called in. Are you here for the Brewers talk, uh, for the gambling, the finance uh, discussion? What, what are you here for today, Binks? Welcome. Hey, what a run by the Bucks, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know what? People being PO'd, I'm with you. Um, it's, uh, you know, it was a great run, and they, they played well, and uh, they had a, they really had a play. It was a it was really too close. Uh, what was that game five or, mm-hmm. was, or game six? Uh, and um, but yeah, um, call it a heartbreaker. But I I call it a great season. Um, and they they just and you you played that uh, about from um, Coach Bud yesterday. And, yeah, and I was like. I'm like, man, I was I was driving home and he almost got me in tears. I was like, well, why are you playing? And I'm trying, you know, it's good. I'm going home. I'm, it's great. I'm happy. And now he's playing this. That's all sad. But no, anyway, um, uh, gambling. Don't. Yeah, whatever. I, I'm not. I'm calling to uh, uh, to say I loved your piece on Ebo's show this morning. I caught that on my way into work. Which part of it? The baseball part? Uh, yeah. Well, I. Yeah, I, I well, I caught both parts of it. I, I caught all of it on okay. the way into work, and you were you were all fired up about the Brewers, um, about um, about how long baseball goes and um, short the, and the timing of the game. And I was I was uh, I was happy to hear that. It sounds like you're, you know, baseball's baseball. If it goes mm-hmm. that long, it goes that long. Damn right. If you don't like it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. And there's and, another game on tomorrow. Um, It'll be longer or shorter. might be the same. There's a game on every day, so they're all going to be a little bit yep. different. I, that's what I like about baseball. Yep. yep. And and uh, fastball Freddy pitched a bunch of strikeouts, and he doesn't go deep in the count too much. And you know what? Uh, could be that Dave Bush pitches tonight, and he'll cough up uh, <laughs> 40 home runs a year. So Dave Bush. You, know, you don't know that. But, uh, what's your, Binks, about, uh, Binks, what's your favorite Jeff Supon memory? Oh, he was. Uh, I don't have one. He was the. He was St. Louis's. He was St. Louis's World Series MVP, and he, and, he, and the next year the Brewers sign him for three years, and he doesn't really do all that great. But no. you know, he was like a. He was a mediocre picture. He was kind of like a Matt Garza, and I, I just didn't really. Uh, I, I just didn't. I, I didn't get into that signing at all, but you know they 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 tried. You know yeah. they tried to get a pitcher, and and you know what they've they're at a point now where they've you know that they haven't been in. I'm going to say let's go thirty years, thirty five years, where they've developed at least you know some arms, and uh, I mean you put. Let's just say three starters together, and you've got you know, and you've got Hater, and you know Williams, you know hopefully his uh, his hand is all better after you know demolishing it in a wall. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'm not too impressed with those middle relievers. Um, 
uh, I'm sorry, buddy, my, my mind's going blank here. He couldn't get an out the other night. No, um, well, and, and even in the first at-bat, it, it seems like the, the, the thing that makes me feel good about Devin Williams, even though he's got off to a slow start this year, is he's located a lot of nice pitches. He's getting up in a lot of these counts. He just can't put guys away. So he's one step away mm-hmm. from being really, really good. The problem is he just can't get over the edge. Last night, it looked like his fastball had a little extra oomph, especially up in the zone. So if he can just get 1% or 2% better on a couple of these pitches, he's been really close. He hasn't been horrible. He's been right there. And I think last night, hopefully, he took a step in the right direction. Confidence, then, you're saying? Yeah, confidence, a little extra oomph, just that little extra 1% or 2% that's needed to take a guy who you got up 0-2 on, you did all the hard work, now you just got to put him away. That's what he was struggling with, and hopefully another inning like he had last night, a little bit more like that, hopefully he'll he'll continue to trend in the right direction. Yeah. Hey, Grant, let me ask you a question. Yeah, shoot. If I got time. Okay, so what, you know, Brewers, uh, National League Central, I, I'm sorry, it is a little bit of a weak division. No. Oh. Um, what do you say, they? What, how are the Brewers going to do against the rest of the National League and maybe even put Interleague in there? compared to, you know, the National League Central. It, because, you know, weak division, you're going to win the division, we're going to go to the playoffs. They've never gone to the playoffs in five years in a row. So we got bragging rights there at the end of the year. You and I know where this is going to go. And, you know, I, I really do, if they, stay, if they stay healthy, they're going to do fine. Yeah. You, you can't have pitchers go deep in the counts, and I'm, they're going to strike on a lot of people. And our hitters are going to strike out a lot. You're not going to have a, a hitter over 260. I think you said, what, 240 this morning with Evo? Um, yeah. Uh, you, know, you, you have low batting averages, and there's a ton of people that are left on base and a ton of strikeouts. That's what's wrong with this team, is that there's a lot of runners left, not only in scoring position, but just left on base. So, um I, I don't know if they're think hopefully hopefully the offense picks it up where they can bring some guys around, but um you know, beggars can't be choosers, right? Yeah, well and if if they can get hot for a month at the right time, Binks, that might be all they need. And and I appreciate the call. I'm gonna let you go. We got more brewers to talk about. Remember David Gasper coming up in a half hour. Uh so for those uh reviewing the brew heads out there, uh we need to come up with a better term. Maybe Gasper has one. Uh, maybe you read everything Reviewing the Brew puts out and you follow Gasper on Twitter. He's going to join us in a half hour. Yeah, the Brewers strike out a lot. They don't hit for average. They leave runners on base. But Binks, I, I just think that's a microcosm of Major League Baseball. The Braves are the defending champs. And I know they traded Freddie Freeman, so he's not in this lineup. Their best hitter, batting average-wise, is... Who is this guy? I watched a lot of the game on mute last night. Travis Demerite. I'm almost surely mispronouncing that wrong. He's hitting 281. The only player on the team who's hitting better than that. You ready for this? You ready for this? Are you listening? The only hitter on the team who's hitting better than the Braves leadoff hitter, who's at 281, is Orlando Arcia, who's hitting 316. Other than that, it's 254, 244, 210, 260, 227, 197, and 223. I don't know why. I just forgot to speak. (laughs) And I'm struggling to get words out and numbers out. It's not just the Brewers, right? The Brewers are another fish in the sea. And the sea's issue right now is no one can hit for average. There's not a lot of balls in play. A lot of runners get left on base. It's not that runners get left on base. It's just there's not a lot of 
hits. So when runners happen to be on base, guess what? Still nobody can hit the ball, so those runners are going to get left on base. You know what I mean? And I think that's why Craig Council multiple times throughout the last year or so has preached the importance of home runs. You just don't string together singles anymore. You don't go single, single, single in an inning. That doesn't happen. That's not how baseball is played anymore. It's not how the hitters are wired. The pitchers are too good. They're too strikeout oriented because there's too much velocity. These pitchers are too good to be pitching to contact. Why would you do that? You know what I mean? If you have the stuff that Corbin Burns had, why would you leave anything to chance by becoming a pitch to contact guy? That makes no sense. You pitch to contact because you don't have the stuff to get guys out. But the fact is 10 years ago, not a lot of guys had the stuff to be a strikeout pitcher. Now everyone does. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's just the Brewers, Binks. However, you said how they're going to fare against the rest of the National League and not just the steaming dump of the NL Central. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to know. And I think that's what's going to make this Brewers season so interesting. I hope it stays interesting. My fear is that it gets boring because they take two or three from the Reds. They take two or three from the Rockies. They take two or three from the Phillies. You know, they sweep the Cubs. They win one of three. We're just going about our business, and we're winning a lot of games. We're winning more than we're losing. The Brewers are 10 games over 500 right now. The problem is, for the entire regular season, at least probably into September, it's really not going to mean that much because the Brewers are going for their fifth straight postseason berth, and we're not going to get too fired up. We're not going to get too excited until we see them do it in the playoffs and at least make it back to another NLCS, right? After the disappointing end last year, I don't really care that they take two of three from the Marlins or they sweep the Pirates. I don't care. And we see a lot of this with the Packers, too. And and this became a thing in week five or six last year. I remember it very well. The Packers beat the Steelers. And the next day I came on the show, and I'm like, what do you want to do with this game? We're not even going to remember this game in three weeks. I, I Ask me one thing that happened in the Packers-Steelers game last year. I can't remember, other than Ben Roethlisberger's arm was shot and he wouldn't throw the ball down the field. That's all I remember, but that was the whole season for the Steelers. There's nothing I remember from the Washington game other than Taylor Heineke like giving himself up on the one-yard line and that there was a weird review. That's all I remember. There were so many games throughout the Packers last year, especially early, that I just didn't care about. It's like, okay, you got to win over a bad team. Nice. You know, I, we're 12 years removed from a Super Bowl. You guys are disappointing in the playoffs every year. I'm not going to get fired up that you got a tough-nosed win in week six over the Niners or whatever it was until you can actually do it in the playoffs. And then they didn't do it in the playoffs, so now we're going to come into this year. What's the Packers schedule? I'm going to point out the games right now and say, yeah, that game's going to suck and we're not going to have anything interesting to talk about. Packers schedule 2022. I really haven't even looked at it yet, honestly. I don't normally look at the schedule until I get it on a magnet at Fleet Farm, but for today, I will make an exception. Uh, week one against the Vikings. That'll be nice because it's the opener and it's a division rival. Week two against the Bears. Week three against the Bucks. Week four against the Pats. Okay, week five against the Giants. Ooh, that's... Oh, that game's in London, so we'll care about that game. Week six, noon game against the Jets. We're going to forget about that instantly. Oh, good. Washington again, the Commanders. Uh, that's a noon game. Nothing memorable about that game. The Bills, that'll be awesome. The Lions, that could be interesting. Um, the Cowboys, the Titans, that Titans game is going to be very non-memorable. The Eagles, much of the same. Probably the Bears, much of the same as well. That's going to be at the Bears, though, so maybe it'll be interesting. 
Uh, they play Miami in week 16. I don't think that game will be memorable. You see my point? I can scroll down the schedule and I can just bookmark games that I know the Packers are going to win and we're going to come in here on Monday and say, eh, all right, I guess we're closer to the postseason. We're closer to the real test. We're closer to the part of the season that we're actually waiting for. We're waiting to see if they can do it in the postseason. And the Brewers haven't gotten there yet. Although baseball, it's a lot harder to make the playoffs than it is in the NFL. So maybe the Brewers will never get to the point where they're like the Packers now, where I actually don't care about them winning a series, the way that some of the Packers games I don't really care about. 608-796-2558, Pete in Chippewa. I, I still can't listen to Teenage Wasteland because that was the song that always played at Miller Park when Supon was warming up. He was trash. <laughs> Southside Scott, I want to see the Rockies sweep the Brewers. LOL. Are you a Rockies fan? There's something I'm missing, Scott. Aren't you? Who's the Jacksonville Jaguars fan that we have? Oh, we have a Jags fan who calls in. That might actually be you, Scott. Are you the Jags fan? I know we have one. I try to keep up with all of your fandoms and affiliations and all of your quirks. Uh, but even my brain has limits. Uh, I'm sorry. Looks like, by the way, in NBA news, uh, Al Horford is out in health and safety protocols. Uh, what about Marcus Smart? I saw there were two players. Let's see. Shams Sharania tweeted out a couple of scoops here, including one about the take foul. Marcus Smart and Al Horford are both out for game one. If Marcus Smart never flopped, do you think he'd be perfectly healthy? I'm not trying to be that guy, but I feel like he does a lot of this to himself. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Rockies and Broncos. Scott, you're a Broncos fan. Well, I think your Broncos are probably going to get third in the division. And we're really going to see that Russell Wilson, despite him thinking he's really good and a lot of the national media thinking he's really good, he's just pretty good. He's just okay. Yeah, I know he's married to Sierra, which makes us all like him more for some reason. And it's really nice of him to raise Future's child because Future is with Sierra. Okay, let's take a break. Let's talk more Brewers. David Gasper reviewing the brew will join us in about 15 minutes. We got a couple of minutes to debrief before that. Wisco Sports Show back in a few. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Text and call me if you'd like. 608-796-2558. Now, let the record show I did not bring... Well, I guess I did bring up Russell Wilson, but I didn't bring up the Broncos. Scott brought up the Broncos. And I said, ah, Russell Wilson, they're probably going to get third in the division. In the West. Aaron texts in and says, why all the Wilson hate all the time? First of all, it's been a while. Uh, I just, I don't like him. He bothers me. I think he's very disingenuous. And I don't think he's that good. <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's a phony. I think he's a fake. That's why. And again, he's not that good. Right? Aaron Rodgers might be quirky too, but at least he can ball. Not in the playoffs, but at least he can ball. At least he can be good after week six, unlike uh, our boy Russ. It's something really interesting that I did not expect, um, but I feel the need to mention this. James Gerani had tweeted out a couple scoops about the Celtics. Marcus Smart and Al Horford are both out tonight. Al Horford is in health and safety protocols. Al Horford is the one who's not vaccinated, remember, because I think it might, there might be more people than just um, Al Horford because that was the issue when there was a potential Celtics-Raptors series is a couple of the guys maybe weren't going to be available if that series went down because they wouldn't be allowed to go into Canada. Um, so I don't know how long he's going to be out. Uh, I wish maybe... It's going to sound messed up. I, I wish maybe that... Maybe he, 
could have caught a little bug during the Bucks series, but whatever. It's probably not the right thing to say. Also, Shams tweeting out the NBA eyeing a rule change to the transition take foul, uh, which would basically turn it into the way I read it, a clear path foul because they award the offensive team with one free throw and retaining possession, which is basically fully prohibitive. Like you're not going to take foul if the other team gets a free throw and the ball the same way that you're not going to do a clear path foul. Another thing, the NBA is discussing a new in-season tournament that would begin as soon as 2023-2024. With the play-in tournament here to stay given its success, concepts are beginning to ramp up on another competitive event. The Miami Heat would try so hard in a mid-series or mid-season tournament, it would be unbelievably toxic. I don't know that I'm prepared for how hard the Miami Heat would try in a mid-series, mid-season tournament. I don't know why I keep saying series. Vagabond John's here, 608 Seven nine six two five five eight. What's up, John? Welcome. Speaking about guys that try hard, mm-hmm. have you uh, talked about the Wisconsin basketball news at all yet today? Mm. Gus uh, announced his his name. Gus. Well, what's his nickname? Gus That's the, what I'm excited about. Gus we, the bus. Gus bus. Yeah, we have Gus bus coming around uh, to Madison, and his his player comp for college. Is like that big guy from Loyola a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, like Crumkey or whatever his name was. Yeah, the cross between him and Ethan Happ. So like Brusowitz, Brusowitz like, plus forty pounds. Is that what I'm seeing here? Yeah, that's what that's what it sounds like. But I mean, he's a four star kid. It sounds like a huge get uh, for the Badgers. So I was I was pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's, uh, one of those one of those guys. I mean, his last name's like Yodel or something like that. So it's just it's just like perfect, like awesome. Now we're set for the next four years with another, like, lovable big guy from Wisconsin that somehow is going to, like, dunk on everybody from Kentucky or something. I don't know. We'll see. I got you. But um, wanted to uh, revisit my tweet that I tweeted at you. I didn't really mean all the hate on baseball. I understand that it can be exciting for some folks, but those conversations around, like, you know, how do we get more hits or, or fewer hits? I feel like this is not creeping up. It's been an issue for like two decades. Oh, right? yeah. Am I off oh, yeah. on that? No, 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 no. no, no. This, this is 100% or... a me problem that me in my house last night all of a sudden felt the need to talk about it. This is totally, yes, this has been a long time thing. Okay. I just wanted to check on that. So, like, I've been listening around, and I have a theory that like Brewers fans are getting more and more into it because we've been spoiled by like awesome, spoiled success by the Packers for the last decade. Like when you when you complain about how your team's doing and then realize how many playoff wins you have, yeah, in the last ten years, yeah, and then combine that with all of Wisconsin sports and then of course the Bucks championship, we're like looking at the Milwaukee Brewers as if, you know, it's like okay, it's your turn, let's uh, you know, let's actually get over the hump for you, and then we had to realize, it is still all about money, yeah, and it is still the Milwaukee Brewers, and they're still going to have a payroll that's like a fourth of the team that ends up winning it all. Speaking so, of speaking of money, know. really quick, did you see what happened at Twins uh, Athletics last night? They had to kick Dick Bremer out of the press box before the game with Latroy Hawkins because an exterminator had to come drag out a possum. <laughs> there was a possum in the press. And it was in Oakland, obviously, which is a huge dump, but there's no money. So you just mentioned rich teams and poor teams. And then what's the quote for Moneyball? There's 50 feet of crap and then the athletics. They literally kicked out Dick Bremer last night so they could come and drag a possum out of the press box, which is awesome. It's just, it's just a crazy league. And I think that part of it is the character. And I just view as a, you know, as a Wisconsin sports fan, obviously the Brewers, 
But like, you know, as I view baseball, I can't be the only one listening that just is like, you know, it's a, it's a hobby. I don't really, I don't really feel passion for baseball. Is that weird? I mean, this time of year, it's no, like you, it's you, not you weird. Watch it not at all. In the summer, and then like if it's good in September, you get a little bit of adrenaline from it. But it just feels like, uh, you know, I'm way more excited about Jair Alexander re-signing than I am about the Brewers, like, sweeping a series. Yeah, dude, the Packers' defense is going to be, it's got to be just amazing. This is going to be the most fun defense to watch probably since 2010 or before, right? They might they might have more talent. Maybe not top-end talent, but depth of talent. This is, this is I think, going to rival 2010, 2014 for sure. Yep. I agree with that. I think it's going to be an awesome defense. All my buddies, as I've mentioned on this uh, show before, all my buddies are Colts fans. And so my joke for them is like, oh, yeah, we're going to build a team essentially right now that looks exactly like the Colts, except for not Matt Ryan at quarterback. Yeah. So I'm excited to kind of watch those two teams. because I think, uh, yeah, I think Packers overall, they're, I mean, they, they are building to get rid of Rodgers, right? You're, you have an awesome running game and an elite defense so that no matter what happens in the next two, three years, you're going to be okay. So all those fans out there that are not Packer fans listening and just thinking, oh, the 20 years of doom and gloom is coming to Packer fans soon. I don't know, man. This roster is built to withstand pretty much anything at this point. Yeah, and I I just think for the time being, when they have Rodgers too, they need to try something else because it ain't working. So I, I almost appreciate that they're loading up and fully going all defense, not just a first-round pick here and there, but – really building in for what looks like a defensive first team because in the playoffs, they need that to win because Rodgers just hasn't been good. Yeah, that's the, that's the ticket. You've seen with L.A. and Aaron Donald taking over a game. Obviously, you saw Tom, uh, Tom Brady and, and the Bucks. Uh, they, their offense wasn't blowing anyone out of the water, but yeah. it was all Vita Vea and that defense just, you know, kicking everybody's butt. But, you know, I think we're well set up. I think with the Wisconsin commit, with the Packers re-signing, and with the Brewers still being the Brewers, we're set up to just continue another seven years of the nutcase continuum that Ebo always talks about. I mean, oh, we're right back in it. We're we're just going to be great in the regular season, and then something's going to throw us off our game. A Chris Middleton injury, uh, you know, a Badger basketball player injury, and we're always just going to be wondering what if. And then once in a while, we'll get through. But I think uh, – Overall, it's an exciting time. Yeah, I like our chances. I can't remember what our original point was for calling in. We, we, but we I think went it was all, mostly the, the Badger player. We went all the way around the block. We, we touched on it all. I feel pretty good about our chances about at least getting a title appearance from one of our teams in the next few years. Maybe that's optimistic. Fingers crossed. But I feel the same way. John, I got to let you go because I got to get to David Gasper. But yep. have an awesome night. I appreciate the call. Yep. Later. Vagabond John, who hails from Madison. Let's take a break. Get David Gasper on the horn. I, you know what? I'm going to spring on him. I'm going to ask him about the new Badgers recruit uh, and just see what he comes up with. I'm not going to warn him at all. I'm not going to give him any, any preview. I'm just going to say, hey, what do you think about this Gus? G- Gus, I actually don't know his full name, so I'm going to research so I can sound like I know what I'm talking about, and I'll spring it on David Gasper, reviewing the brew. He'll join us next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. David Gasper reviewing the brew is here. It's Tuesday. Uh, this is the natural order of things. It's Tuesday, so we talk brewers with David Gasper. Gasper, good afternoon. How are you? 
Gasper, can you hear me okay? I'm doing good, Grant. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm I'm doing well. Hey, I got to tell yeah, you. I can hear you. Are you able to hear me? Yeah, there's just a little bit of a delay. All right, we'll work through this. We're professionals. Um, I got to tell you, last hour, uh, Jeff Supon came up. We were talking about contracts that are good or bad investments. And uh, I didn't realize the lightning rod that Jeff Supon is. I feel uh-huh. like we need to tap into this as content because I brought him up once in passing and I got dozen texts, couple of tweets. So I don't know how we can bottle that and use it for clicks or whatever. But Jeff Supon, I've found, is, is almost a weapon for getting people's attention. Okay. I'm sorry. I missed that there. Why is he in the news here? <laughs> He's not. He, 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 was literally, he was literally brought up in passing once. And I've I've been fielding texts and tweets like people people are saying I saw him pitch once and this is what happened and he sucked and like stories coming up of people who bumped into him in Milwaukee and all this stuff. So everyone's mad at you for bringing him up, essentially. Everyone's just mad at Jeff Supon years later. It has nothing to do with me. I just brought him up and people just wanted to yell about him, I think. Oh, I'm always down to yell about (laughs) Jeff Supon. He was the worst. The dude never had any ERA below four. (laughs) <laughs> and we give this dude $42 million? Are we nuts? Who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> I mean, it was it was absolutely insane. Like, it, it, it was one of the worst decisions I, I have seen from a front office in a, in a very long time. And it was it was so bad. Now, now you got me all riled up. I was having a good day, Grant, and then you just have to say See? Jeff Dupon, and you just completely ruin it. This is incredible. I didn't realize that. I, I didn't think there was a player that had this much power. Aaron Rodgers is close, but Aaron Rodgers is playing right now. Like, Aaron Rodgers is in the news. Like, Aaron well, Rodgers is good at his job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jeff Supon was not <laughs> like, like you can dislike Aaron Rodgers for all the off the field stuff. And like, you know, if you want to, like, whatever, I don't care. But with Jeff Supon, there was nothing redeeming about his play on the field. He was awful. <laughs> Just who, awful. Who Who is like, the- we still have the joke. Oh, soup looked good tonight. I, like actually Craig, when Craig council was talking yesterday about how the pitching looked really good, you know, yeah. was Freddie Peralta threw a two hit shutout over seven innings. And then Williams and haters like, Oh yeah, the pitching looked good. It's like, wow, our standards have really improved <laughs> for how we call our pitching looking good. The soundbite. I know I think it gets used on the Bill Michaels show. They're like, ah, I thought soup looked good today. It's like, well, that standard is low. I don't know a player that's, that has been on the Bucks. I mean, maybe like maybe Nikola Miritich, but I, I don't know. He he wasn't given a huge deal. He was a trade deadline ad. I don't know that there's going to be another athlete in Wisconsin sports history, at least in this era, that is still going to have the staying power of Jeff Supon. It's absolutely unbelievable. And I love this. No, I love except, that you instantly got fired except up. maybe Tony Mandrich. Uh, oh, that's true. That's true. That's, yeah. true. That's true. For, 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 you know, top draft pick, a lot of money. I guess I guess those are similar. You Could also. Three different Hall of Famers instead. <laughs> instead, of course. They had Tony Mandridge. And the Sports Illustrated cover makes it worse. You mentioned Zach Davies when we were off the air. Can you tell everyone what's going on with Zach Davies? Because this is incredible. Yeah. So, uh, apparently, Zach, like Zach Davies' ex-wife posted on Instagram or something uh, a few days ago about how. Um, like their split, their divorce, like happened. And apparently he just ghosted her, his own wife of like 10 years. Like he just kind of sent her a text or something at like six o'clock in the morning, just like kind of like saying like, we're through, like that's it. And then he blocked her and then just like completely ghosted his own wife. And apparently he had been having like an affair or something. And 
Like she found out through like word of mouth. I don't know. Like it was like, go, go check out her Instagram post. She explains it all. But like, it is just a horrible sounding thing that he did. Well, when you have his own wife, when you have the good looks of a 17 year old boy, the way that Zach Davies has, I mean, you got to take advantage of that. It's like a 17 year old boy. Clearly. Oh yeah. That's, that's very true. He looks, he looks and acts the part. Yeah. I saw that story today. I, I couldn't believe it. One more small little thing. And then I have an actual big topic that I want to talk about. Uh, Orlando RC is hitting 316 and DHing for the defending world champs. And I like I ha- I don't have a take here other than it really sucks to watch another fan base live out my dream. That it yeah, sucks. if only he could have if only he could have done that while he was in a Brewers uniform. Um I'm not sure on his sample size of that 316 batting average, Doesn't but matter. Doesn't um matter. no, not that big. But, well, yeah. Oh, well, uh, one final thing. This is just something to chew on. You're telling me that Orlando Arcia wouldn't have made a difference against the Braves in the playoffs last year. All-time wild card, throw him in the game. Even if the rest of the, the offense is sucking, Orlando Arcia is going to show up. Or if the rest of the offense is good, Orlando Arcia is going to stink. I just, I miss the wild card. And he's one guy that I can't and will not quit. Yeah, it would have been nice to have literally anyone hit well in that uh, series against the Braves last year. But, yeah, it's just, it, it's just ridiculous it's toxic i miss him so we're talking with david gasper reviewing the brew on twitter at dgasper 24 you can find him there find his work okay so my one big takeaway i tweeted this after the game last night and maybe this is the wrong time to bring this up it probably was so freddie peralta was great hater was great williams was excellent and that worried me a little bit because that would have sucked if williams comes in gives up the lead not only do you probably lose the game but then you're kind of back to square one with devin williams so just to have that great inning that was great but at the end of the game i started to think you know, especially now that the Bucks are done and I'm going to watch the Brewers start to finish every night, there's so many of these games where there's just no offense. And sometimes it's a pitcher's duel, yes. But I, I want to push back on the idea that not every low-scoring game is a pitcher's duel. Some of these offenses are just incompetent, and I don't know if it's early in the season and that's what it is, but kind of your state of the game and, and reaction to to kind of this take that I'm having. What, what do you think about this idea? I know yeah, it's nothing new. I, I think offense is heating up. I mean, just, you know, across the league and for the Brewers in general. I mean, granted, Ian Anderson is a really good pitcher, um, the starter for the Braves last night. So, you know, I'm not taking, you know, too much away from, you know, all the offense is, is back down again because, I mean, they're facing a really tough starter in Ian Anderson. So I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I mean, they're able to – to get enough done, you know, I, I guess when it came to it last night and, you know, the pitching was uh, spectacular, everything you were looking for and the offense was able to do just enough. Would you like to win, you know, five to nothing or six to nothing? Sure. Um, that, that'd be a lot easier, but um, they got the win. That, that's the important thing. Um, you know, I think the offense will be able to, to get going. Um, you know, you're not always going to be facing really great starting pitchers, but they were last night. Um, and that's just kind of how it, how it lined up, how it went. Okay, so give me one guy in the Brewers lineup that you're amped about that maybe you didn't expect to be playing really well and he's hitting and that bodes really well, and one guy that you're worried about. Because for the last couple of years, we've had that guy. Last year was Jackie Bradley Jr. There's always one guy who just stinks, and I I, I don't know. Like Lorenzo Cain's hitting 188. Is that something we have to be worried yeah. about? He's got me worried. Who are you loving? Who are you worried about right now? Well, right now, the, the guy that I'm loving is Luis Arias. Ever since he's come back from injury, he has been – incredible um yeah i think he's gotten a, i think he's gotten on base in every single game since he's returned um he's hitting extremely well i think he was he was the only guy with two hits yesterday um hitting the ball well drawing walks 
um, doing really kind of everything you'd be looking for from Luis Arias, and he's been a real big boost uh, to this lineup since he came back from that quad injury. So I'm really excited to see, you know, a full season of, of him and having that power um, that, that's shown up and that on-base ability. So I'm really excited for that. Uh, yeah, Lorenzo Cain, I, I think, is kind of the real disappointment. I'm not expecting much from Lorenzo Cain. I mean, he's like 36, 37 years old. The bat has been going downhill for a couple of seasons. Um, but, I mean, it's it's really kind of been downhill this year. It's been really tough to watch for him at the plate. Yeah. You know, even his, you know, doubles power isn't really there uh, at the moment. Um, so, I mean, it, it's been tough, but also – he still can run down anything in it's center so field. Bizarre. I mean, he's still so incredible out there. Um, so he's going to be playing a bunch. I mean, plus he's getting paid $18 million, so he's going to be playing. Um, but, you know, even with uh, Kane's bat declining, with what he provides on defense, you know, he's still going to get uh, his chances. He's still going to be able to play. And, you know, hopefully you get enough other guys producing that you can handle having uh, a defense first guy in the lineup like Kane. So make it make sense because Lorenzo Kane's defense should be declining with age, but I feel like his offensive approach should be pretty good. Like I think of Yadier Molina, right? The way in which he can still fight to make contact and slap a two-strike pitch into right field, like we've seen it a million times. Lorenzo Kane should be that kind of hitter. That should age well, right? Like the defense should get worse. The offense to me should stay mostly the same. It's not like he's this truck who's always hit for power that's now starting to age poorly. Why Why would his bat decline? Um, it, it could be, you know, a couple of reasons. You know, maybe it could be his bat speed is has declined a little bit, not able to catch up to fastballs as much, you know, get, get around, make solid contact uh, like he used to before. You know, the legs are still there. I mean, really, he always got great jumps in center field. You know, he can still, you know, see the ball well off the bat, judge where it's going to be. You know, he still has his legs for the most part to be able to to run things down. You know, it, it could be the bat speed declining um, or, you know, w- whatever it is. But, you know, th- that'd be my guess. But I honestly do not know. Uh, I think only Kane knows and, and the hitting coaches know. I mean, I, I'm not that tapped into the team uh, to get that kind of inside information. But, you know, it, it's probably got to be something along with, along with that. Oh, did you cut out? Oh, oh I, thought, I, thought, I think I lost you there for a second, Gasper. No, I agree, and I understand. You're you're plugged in. You know all the answers to the questions I'm asking you, but you can't reveal your information. You can't reveal your sources. I, I get how it works, so it's fine. Uh, last thing before I let you go, because we were talking about pitcher's duels. If I throw it back to – this is a game – this is one of my strongest Brewers core memories when I was a little bit younger. May 25th, 2009, Memorial Day. Brewers were playing the Cardinals. Do you happen to remember what happened in that game? I'm guessing this was a Jeff Stupon-related game. No, 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 no. Actually, it wasn't, but it was a pitcher's duel. It was Giovanni Gallardo versus Chris Carpenter, and they both went eight innings, and it was a shutout, and then Bill Hall had a go-ahead hit in the top of the 10th. Do you not remember this? I I remember. I think I watched the whole thing. I was home alone. Not my head, man. (laughs) See, what I was saying is that's a pitcher's duel. Right, that's a true pitcher's duel. When yeah. you can look ahead on the schedule and see, oh my God, it's going to line up where Giovanni Gallardo and Chris Carpenter, or you know, pick two aces, they're lining up and playing. A pitcher's duel to me is not what happened on Sunday when Hunter Green and Jose Quintana went against each other. That's just bad baseball. So I, I was using that game from 2009. I was a bummer. I thought maybe you'd remember that one. But you're so full of of useful stats and sources these days. You don't have room in your huge brain to remember things. Right? That yeah, so it's hard to remember a random May game from 2009. <laughs> 
I also remember early season games really well. Like, ask me about any game last April and May. I'll remember it. Mostly, I watched most of them in Dell's on Third Street, which is a place I know you've been. Of course. Um, and for whatever reason, that really cements memories in my head. Okay, Gasper, I feel like I've kept you too long. It was a blast to talk about Supon. I'm not going to lie. That was the most fun I've had in a while. Maybe for you. <laughs> yeah, I think you got angry. I think you got angry. We got more mad about Supon today than we did yesterday about the Bucks losing. I think that really speaks to the type of show we have here. Thank you, Gasper. I appreciate your time. Have an awesome week. Yep, thanks, man. You too. Take care. David Gasper reviewing the brew. Take care to you as well. Gasper 24 I was really hoping he'd remember that game. I don't know why it sticks in my head so much. I was trying to find highlights today, and I couldn't, which was a bummer. Let's take a break. Couple of texts to get to. You still have time to call in if you'd like to. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.